from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, in this Ipswich Today exclusive, you'll hear highlights from Top Office Group's annual local survey of business sentiment across Ipswich and the region. For the first time since 2019, Jan Gadsden presented the detailed findings in front of a live audience at Ipswich Turf Club. It's Monday, October 30, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Ipswich's annual survey of business sentiment and trends has been released. Top Office Group's executive outlook is in its 15th year. And for the first time since COVID came to our shores, the result of this Ipswich and Region survey was again presented to local business owners and managers at the annual Executive Outlook Lunch held on October 25. If you own or run a business, this is a must-listen. Four-day weeks, pets at work, hybrid work, data security and more. All the current issues are covered. Please welcome Jan Gadsden. Hi everyone, welcome to Executive Outlook, reflecting the views of business leaders right across our region. And thanks for joining us at this lovely venue and for sharing your insights into these trends and opportunities that we're about to present. So sentiment is upbeat, but we're wary of global headwinds. There's a lot going on right now. Manufacturers and distribution sectors have been bringing home the story of local industry. And we have big corporates like Auspost, Coles Distribution, Precorse and Tory on our doorstep. So no wonder demand for housing has gone bonkers. Ipswich is Queensland's fastest growing city. Now more broadly, jobs, taxes and exports are all good, generated the trade surplus. Unemployment still at decade lows of 3.6%. Just need to watch underemployment. If the job market breaks, the RBA pivots. And I'm a bit skeptical there, so. Okay, so here's what we found. Three in four firms are optimistic. That's tempered by a sense that the wheel could turn. 25% are neutral or concerned. Demand for industrial space around Carroll Park's been buzzing, but there are signs that this may have peaked. In the commercial space, investor and retail confidence is shaky. Lease durations are shorter. Jeremy's advice is don't lose your tenants due to rate increases. So a bright spot there is the strong demand for leasing to government, NDIS and childcare providers. Now this flows on to legal and finance sectors, they're thriving. <clears throat> IT firms, well, IT firms are flat out keeping us safe. Cybercrimes, well, exploded. Talk to leaders in healthcare, disabilities and aged care, and <clears throat> they're <coughs> grappling with record growth, but I understand that's underpinned by staff shortages and funding constraints. Massive transport investment off the back of Olympics 32s set to benefit local suppliers. 
construction's buoyant, but the sector's been hammered by insolvencies. That's, I think, largely a legacy of fixed-term contracts stitched up pre-COVID before costs skyrocketed. And your views actually say it all. So in 2020, the RBA set conditions with cheap money for banks to feed an over-hot market. Housing shortage is fueled by demand, growth, and an influx of skilled migrants. And that's great for skills and prices, but they have to live somewhere. And just on, on rentals, local agents told us that landlords can't win with costs and new regulations that go all the tenants' way. So they can double the returns elsewhere with no grief, which is why I understand so many are selling. As Aidan said, they need incentives, not roadblocks, to fuel supply. Hotels and events enjoyed a surge in trade last year, but rate hikes have cooled the leisure market. And Adam said, there's a slight softening at a corporate level. Media outlets are going well and say we're more resilient in this part of the world. And you know, as for travel, almost everyone I know is in Europe or planning to be. Local schools and educators are booming and their challenge, as you can see, is keeping up with demand and teacher shortages. Now BCQ's latest poll survey showed weak business confidence despite like solid results and that really speaks to interest rates and macro risks. 8 in 10 reported higher operating costs. So there's just this sense that things could sour and we're bracing for that. And Neil Harding actually captured this sentiment. Foot still on the accelerator, ready to lift onto the brake. Inflation, potential recession and wages growth are the main concerns. So guess what we're saying is it, plan, plans to, it pays to have a plan B. Now we actually grew top in the 91 recession. Oh, oh God, seems like a lifetime ago, but it was a baptism of fire. But the message is still the same. Find the right balance between technology and people. Automate what you can to lift, to lift productivity and cut costs. And this then frees us up to get better at what machines can't do, which is engage with our clients and meet their needs. So embrace technology to boost productivity and invest in relationships because the rest will soon be automated. And competing on price alone is, well, it's a road to nowhere. And your views support this. Told us everyone's engaged in sales activity. Focus on relationships. Build value and buy local. Here's my take on inflation. COVID era was dubbed the everything shortage. Supply chains, products, housing, workers. And we got here because it was deemed too dangerous to produce anything. Trillions of dollars poured into world economies to compensate. Suppliers couldn't keep up with demand. Then throw in a war and inflation soared, right? So if cost spikes last, purchasing power plummets. So 12 rate hikes later to cool things down rinse and repeat worldwide, and here we are. 
So China's property markets under pressure, especially um, Evergrande. They've actually cut interest rates. And this is the most over-leveraged economy ever. America lifted its debt ceiling in June. Well, it's grown to over 33 trillion. Who's counting? But these debts have grown faster than the economy for decades. So central banks print more money out of thin air so governments can service the debt. Back to executive outlook. So rising costs, and in particular, wages, fuel, rent and insurance are being passed on very carefully. So just take the time to explain price increases, stand behind the how and why, and to mitigate costs. We're running leaner, keeping a tight brain on debtors, 30-day quotes, things like that. So there is a sense that <coughs> um, the worst may be behind us. 19% of firms are no longer concerned and shipping costs are back to pre-COVID levels. But there's a sting in the tail and your views tell this story. 20% wage hikes with no ability to pass it on. Wage hikes are squeezing margins. Wages are our biggest concern. This feeds through to payroll tax and super. Wage growth tackles inflation and a tight labour market. We get that, but they're not consistent with productivity offsets. And your, your views actually reflect this. So wage hikes without productivity fuel inflation, which forces us to put up costs. Productivity, that's our output, slumped a further 2% in June. So that's not great. And we can lift this through automation, but we detected um, a reluctance to invest. It's more about bringing costs under control. I feel for small firms and cafes that are struggling with higher costs and, and wages and subdued spending. And as Jamin said, more small businesses are shutting down and closing websites. So look, it just begs the question, will wage rises without a lift in productivity risk more job losses if there's a global shock? Now that's a macro risk, but we're all connected and it can turn on a dime. Now when it comes to our challenges, the labour market's still tight, but balancing pay expectations with viability is also front and centre. So you told us that employee demands are unrealistic, we struggle to match competitor salaries and cost of living is driving this. So next came regulations, which underpin safety all good. Bureaucrats keep moving goalposts and that's an opportunity cost for the rest of us. Even teachers are drowning in bad debt. Your feedback really drives this home. And we can't even sneeze without the government knowing. Productivity is eroded by compliance. Now margin pressures are another concern, and in particular, maintaining margins, competitors buying the business, and watch Q3 and 4 for problems ahead. It's different in aged care, they have the demand, but the system's broken, no one knows how to fix it, and the bigger getting bigger. There is growing trepidation about falling demand. Consumers seem reluctant to spend. 
not a market to grow. Now's the time to consolidate. Smart owners expect turnover to retreat. And we're making hay, but looking forward, this is a concern. Staying tech savvy is relevant in terms of, well, costing us the earth. New overseas platforms are a competitive threat. And just be mindful, test the waters before diving in. And finally, manufacturers shared their concerns around scale and productivity. So saying we're not competitive against other countries. It's not about mass production here. Geopolitical ramifications for importers and government promises aren't being kept. Well, how about that? So the Pulse Report's um, top constraints on growth were recruit, retrain staff, wages, which have hit a record high, as we know, and interest rates. Cyber security is top of mind for all of us. Data breaches, identity theft, malicious links, invoices cloning our suppliers, bank scams to police people. It's scary. Did you see, did anyone see the Philippines um, call centre scam targeting self-managed super funds last year? Well, they used fake financial planners and an ANZ bank account. The licence and ABN traced back to a real AMP company, so they cloned their credentials and it was just brutal for victims and not great for AMP and the bank either. Authentication codes, backups and passwords all help, but even face ID can be hacked. So our greatest risk here is human error and damage to our brand. Leaders shared their insights. Educate, train and repeat. Invest in cyber strategies. Used best practice, encryption and a password manager. Train staff to recognise threats. Update all workstations, above all windows and virus protection. And our last line of defence, well that's the human brain, if you don't know, don't click. Look, it's crazy how someone half a world away can cause such damage. I wish we could go back to pay phones and filing cabinets. <laughs> now last year, nine in 10 firms reported skill shortages and the vibe was we can't pull people out of nowhere. One firm had a worker that suffered Monday-itis, so they rostered around that. But Friday's not so popular either. COVID triggered this um, surge in early retirements. People from all walks of life moved on to chase their dreams. So much knowledge walked out the door. Well, guess what? Retirees are being dragged out of their comfort zones. There's actually 45,000 more of us than last year. So their skills are in demand with lucrative incentives to splurge in Europe, right, in my dreams. But migrations also help fill the void. And this explains the drop in local firms reporting skill shortages this year, which is down to 64%. Now, market's still strong, but it's more nuanced. And you told us it's much easier to recruit now. It's changed dramatically. We're attracting a huge number of candidates, regions attractive to staff. And here's our most in-demand skills. IT technicians across the board. 
Would you believe we're now competing with um, hacking teams and they're offering enticing pay and perks galore and cyber crimes exploded? Go figure. Medical, allied health, disability and aged care teams. CEDAS says we'll need 17,000 more aged care workers each year. Accredited financial advisors, experienced accountants, procurement teams, skilled trades, forklift drivers, legal teams. And I'm sad to hear um, more teachers are leaving their profession, driven by um, workload pressures and red tape. So that's just to name a few. But on the flip side, artificial intelligence is playing havoc on careers. Chat GPT is still in the show. I gave it a go for my research, but all I got was a headache, so I decided I'll stick to my day job. So AI learns from our interactions and our data, but it pays to be sceptical and trust our insights. People will get crunched along the way. Hollywood writers worry their IP will be used to train robots. Companies pushed on margins, lean on technology ahead of people to stay profitable. Older leaders with mortgages and staff could be programmed out of existence overnight. And even like graduates starting in creative careers like media may need to rethink it. So the irony though is interpersonal skills will soar in value. Ever called a big corporate for help? Good luck! Finding a smart, articulate person who can ask the right questions and solve your problems is so refreshing. And that's why the skills we need to master combine engagement, influence and empathy with technical skills so that our service becomes consultative. And your views support this. You can see there. We need smart, outcome focused, great communicators, people management focus with the right attitude. It's easy to train in technical skills, harder to train in soft skills. So as this Future of Work report says, focus on skills and tasks instead of jobs. And knowledge is so easy to access, people can learn faster with fewer credentials. So it comes down to this. I can teach you the craft, but I need learning agility. As AI changes the scope of jobs, Many will be in industries that haven't been invented yet. And this means constant renewal, upskilling and starting again as skill sets morph into new ones. In Executive Outlook, we're adapting to these trends to secure the skills we need. Upskilling, multitasking, resilience, ability to lead, communicate and handle pressure. However, if you're looking for a superstar, don't forget to call our team at Top Office. 61% of leaders plan to grow headcount. Fabulous. We've just been through epic skill shortages. So I think firms would be reluctant to let people go, even if profits fall, because they may not get them back. Their trend towards um, high freeze freezing hiring or cutting hours rather than letting them go. 
Now, staff turnover has a huge impact on uh, bottom lines and customers. And last year, one in three leaders expected to see an increase with this balance shift to employees. Now, that's settled down and it matches the, the average tenure of three to four years. But as you can see, there are mixed views on the topic. You said no one wants to work full time anymore. Staff spend less time at work, but don't seem any happier. And our focus is to minimise loss of knowledge and customers. Now, as for why they leave, show me the money tops the list of our, based on your feedback. So career growth, work pressure, commute and retirement also influence decisions, as well as performance management. So we also surveyed a cross-section of our registered candidates just to scope their wish lists. Found they're more security conscious now, security focused, and ranked um, career growth and work-life balance over switching jobs. So their top three drivers, flexible hours, hybrid work, and training. They value perks like free parking, extra leave, recognition, and a good culture. And of course, money's up there with oxygen. But the key, these are the key takeaways. Bolster training, incentives, growth, and flexible work. Now, gap between an average employee and a great one, it's not 10%, it's 10,000%. So it's much cheaper and saves time to retain them. As older workers leave, even though we're being dragged back, um, but the pressure's on to train younger workers so teach them all about the business and how they fit in. They're fast learners and tech savvy. They value feedback and recognition. And as shown in your feedback, we need to understand their mindset. Hybrid works popular with this cohort and dog friendly offices have been trendy since COVID. Tail end of this, Amazon Australia's Dogs of Work program. One in four workers adopted a dog in COVID. Guess what? Post-lockdown, dogs caught separation anxiety. Workers wanted to bring them back to work. So suffice to say, their global program is a huge hit. I went through Silicon Valley a few years ago and those tech giants were locked in a war for talent. With pets welcome, creches, gyms, caravan parks, shuttle pickups and gourmet meals, but if it wasn't cooked by a world famous chef, they'd move for one that does. Seriously. <laughs> okay, back to the sanity of executive outlook. So there's no, no one size fits all, but leaders were keen to share ideas. Competitive pay, incentives, training, <clears throat> and hybrid work top the list, as well as things like treat people as part of the family, staff surveys know what makes them tick and facilitate that. Equity for long-term staff, wellbeing programs, coaching, industry conferences, social get-togethers, things like that. <clears throat> and we found local firms that, that we've spoken to with four-day weeks give them a thumbs up for retention and productivity and they say staff are happier and less fatigued um, with no loss of pay, and it works well with rotating shifts. Now, hybrid work. There's a growing push from business to end this work from home era. 
So did you know federal public servants can now work from home full time? All good. But who puts a bill for empty floor space? And what happens to the cafes on the brink from an exodus of workers? And where does this leave vibrant, diverse CBD hubs? If remote workers don't perform in private firms, customers walk. It doesn't work that way in government. They're a monopoly supplier. And we've seen shades of this sentiment through our survey. Private sector can't compete with federal government. CBA Bank's been in strife with the union for inviting staff back to the office. NAB Bank ordered their seniors back to the office earlier this year, but not sure that worked for them, given the new enterprise deal struck with the union. Number one search on SEEK is work from home. Workers like the freedom, can claim expenses, no commute, more family time, what's not to love? Now, your views on this with Executive Outlook were somewhat polarising. So the numbers don't lie. We see how productive they are. And I don't care where you work as long as the numbers stack up. Works for senior staff with Zoom catch-ups. And we've gained in output plus energy savings. On the other hand, we offer work from home but culture is lost. It's fractured the team. I'm paying for 38 hours but only getting 30. It's not viable. And is the leader holding you accountable? Show us what you've done in a conversation. So policers, nurse, trades and countless others don't even have the choice. And just from a healthcare perspective, where people-based operate 24-7, the last thing I want is technology telling us how to look after someone. So this blend of work from home and getting people together, it's complex, even with KPIs and ground rules and, and communication. Productivity is hard to track. Some firms offer work from home on a needs basis rather than formal arrangements and find this hasn't impacted productivity. But they say people enjoy being part of the, the bigger picture and a good culture. Now, employers are still responsible for um, WHS, safety assessments, site photos to work unsupervised. Just is that a stress and incident minefield perhaps waiting to happen. Another view, employers might choose to outsource more tasks offshore rather than hire people they never see in the office anyway. And where would that leave Aussie jobs? That's why it's important they come back to work. To suggest people can work from home full time is unrealistic. Now there's been backlash quiet quittings where they come to work but check out. I don't get it. Reflects how we've devalued work. Like as a society, work's something to do less of. And if they quit, there'll be three more offers tomorrow. But work's about relationships and a purpose greater than, than yourself. As for mental health days, that's what weekends are for, right? But meanwhile, local employers say it's hard to find talent that value and appreciate having a job. Hey, if we go into a downturn, that'll be a wake-up call. That's when interest rates are cut, demand falls, supply builds, and so does unemployment. They won't have the luxury of dictating their terms to the boss. They're lucky to have a job. And don't count on government freebies with the trillion-dollar debt over their head 
Here's what companies would do. Automate entry-level roles as fast as possible. It's more expensive to employ a human. What value do you bring to the job? How would you prove yourself? So to wrap up, work's gone hybrid, cost of living's a big deal, data security's got us unhinged, so many curveballs and what-ifs, and most of this is outside of our control. But what we can control is our connections in the community. That's why we're passionate about Executive Outlook, exclusive to Top Office Group. Our survey is a barometer of local trends, a forum to share ideas and keeps us connected to our community. So we're so grateful to you for sharing your insights. Thank you. And a huge shout out from Belinda and I for, to Roger for helping pull this together and all your hard work. And also to our incredible MC, Paul Casos. And that's it from me. Thank you. And a quick reminder to look for handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.